If you enjoy audio drama and fiction podcasts, sign up for the Fiction Podcast Weekly. It's an email newsletter with the latest news, events, creative opportunities, job listings, behind-the-scenes production resources, podcast milestones, debuts, and finales. Plus, it's free. Sign up now at thepodcasthost.com slash fictionpodcastweekly. Good afternoon, passengers. In a few moments, we'll be coming round to get your cocktail glasses. Oh, I'm so glad we're going to be landing soon. Oh, you and me both, I can't wait to stretch my legs. Oh, but it's so exciting. I mean, how long has it been since the last time you've been on an adventure like this? Hmm? I went to PodCon 2 a couple of years ago. Oh, oh, remember back in the day when we thought we could always just, you know, hop on a plane and get to wherever we dreamed of any time? I know, right? I used to search online for travel bargains like how some people shop for clothes. Uh-huh. Now the idea of getting into a closed metal tube with a few hundred other people feels kind of risky. Uh, it's just even more thrilling now, isn't it? It's like a, a locked room murder mystery, isn't it? Everyone's got their masks on, but will everyone behave themselves? Please don't give anyone any ideas, Sarah. Oh, I don't mean mile high. I mean, you know... Will they fall asleep with their masks hanging off the chin, snoring open-mouthed and accidentally huffing all their germs into the air recycling system? Or will they simply decide they're better than all of us and the rules don't apply to them? Or will they get cabin fever from being inside a tin can strapped to a seat for too long and try to start an unmasked folk song sing-along? You promised not to do that again. Everyone on this airplane is going to the same place to do something. I mean, every single passenger is a a boiling potion of urges, fears, ideas, desires, all bubbling around a living skeleton and packed into a sack of meat and water, staggering or striding onwards towards some final victory lap. You've been reading Chuck Wendig's Twitter feed again, haven't you? Look, the point is, the point is we're all an elixir of desires, stirred by the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, stuffed into a cylinder hurtling through space at nearly a a thousand kilometres an hour and finally we're all confronted with the ultimate equaliser. Will the plane land? What do you mean? Oh, you know exactly what I mean. These uh, these flight attendants, they aren't making eye contact and being nice to you because it's their job and they want you to be quiet. Oh, no, they're, they're doing it because this might be the last human contact they ever have. Or that you ever have. And are they serving you a screwdriver? Or are they paddling you across the river sticks? Now, you're taking this a bit far. Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors a bit, but come on, let's be honest. When the plane makes a final tilt, you, you feel your ears start to pop clouds below the windows start to rise and you try to ignore that shaking feeling in the walls and the floor and... <laughs> Could you please hand me that air sickness bag? Oh, are, are you nauseous? Not yet, but... Oh, Lindsay! Sarah! <laughs> Landing the plane is the best part! <laughs> the ultimate moment of will they or won't they do or die Crash or fly, mother may I? <laughs> Good afternoon, passengers. This is your captain speaking.
just wanted to bring your attention to the windows at the left side of the cabin. If you look out that way, you can see the beautiful islands that make up the independent state of Samoa. Oh, hang on, I thought we were going to Disney World. What? As I'm sure you all know, the easterly trade winds are the dominant aerological mechanism in Samoa's climate. We're not going to Disney World. We're going to New Zealand. New Zealand? Are you out of your mind? Oh, it is beautiful. So we should be arriving in Bangkok Airport a little bit earlier than expected. <gasps> Bangkok? Bangkok? What? 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 We're not supposed to land in Thailand? Oh, well, you know, at least we can pretend we're on the jungle cruise ride. <laughs> Brace! people of the crazy world and welcome to our happy ending of season one of Adwit. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Thank you for listening. Bye. End quits. Hang on. Hang on. Wait. That's it, Sarah. You're ending it all before we've even begun? Well, you know, I've seen some podcasts do that and, that, you know, they just felt unfinished. I uh, wanted more and they gave me nothing. And no, after all the time I invested in that. And no, I'm not going to name them. Go on. Nope. Okay. Well, let's think about just for a second why I thought a plane landing in New Zealand versus Disney World versus Bangkok for this episode on how to end your audio drama was funny and appropriate. Oh, do tell, do tell. I was struggling for a metaphor for final episodes, whether it's for an entire series or a season. Fictional Lindsay wanted to go to New Zealand so she could curl up in a hobbit hole and write and maybe hang out in coffee shops where she just might happen to accidentally run into the guys from Flight of the Concords. Business time. Fictional Sarah would want to go to Disney World where anything can happen. Yes. Oh, and for the turkey legs. I've never seen them so huge, Lindsay. Bangkok is the busiest airport in the world or something. Could they get a connecting flight? Could they reach their destination? Would they have to split up? You know, that's a palatable metaphor, though. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you do crash. Sometimes you land a plane. Sometimes you have a connecting flight and sometimes you've reached your destination. But Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the ones I think that work best are the ones where you and the audience, of course, are not lost. Yeah. Either you've gotten to where the protagonist land to go in the first place, or you end up in a place where you're poised to keep going to that destination. It's so satisfying when that happens, isn't it? Hmm. But what about cliffhangers? Like when I saw the script I did with Fiona Frail and Alan Bergman for the Amelia Projects, not only was I rather overexcited to be in one of my favourite podcasts ever, but to be in a season finale with such a... Unexpected and slightly sinister twist after Mm -hmm. all the jollity was so amazing. Yes. Folks should listen to that for a great example of a season finale. It definitely left me wanting more. And it also left me questioning the interviewer's motives. Mm, Yeah. I I thought, did they actually just kill everyone and just take their money and not do these elaborate things and things like that? And to to be honest, I'm a new 
character or two in this new season. And I'm still not sure Ooh. what they're up to. Um, but, you know, it is brilliant writing from Oyston Braga and Pip Thorne, Philip Thorne. I love them and their show so, so much. And mm-hmm. I feel it, it's a definite beacon of awesome on the landscape for sure. Like, for me, the Truth podcast and Wolf 359. See, Cliffhanger works best when the situation clearly points to, holy cow, they are never going to make it to that final destination. Like, yeah, the Empire Strikes Back ends with, holy cow, these guys are never going to defeat Darth Vader. The Empire is everywhere. Yeah, and one amazing cliffhanger, which unfortunately didn't pan out into a second season. Yet. I think there was uh, writing happening at some point for season two, but yeah, you haven't even said the name of it yet. So uh, uh, our listeners don't know it, but I know what you're talking about because I read the episode notes. You did? It doesn't show. <laughs> uh, can you uh, can you guess the political weaver of a thriller we're talking about, folks? He's present, he's horrible, he's incompetent, about to maybe win an election. He might win. Uh, any ideas of the name of it? Sarah, remember, they can't answer back. Well, I can hear some of them screaming at their listening devices. Put them out of their misery, will you, Lindsay? <laughs> it was drumroll, please. Tune in to next week's episode to find out what we're talking about. Okay, stop that. I see what you did there. No, it oh. was terms. <gasps> Yes, brilliant podcast by Lindsay Graham and team who also make 1865, which is also amazing. Mm -hmm. You should all check that out. The Mm. original premise of terms was save democracy by getting rid of the Electoral College. (gasps) Getting rid of the Electoral College is something that political science people have talked about for a very long time. So Mm. if you don't know If you're not familiar with the Electoral College, I'm sorry, I'm not going to explain it to you right now. (laughs) This is the audio drama writer's toolkit, not the political science toolkit. I am sure people are aware after the last however many years. After the last election, yeah. Crazy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So in the case of terms, (laughs) a situation comes up where getting rid of the Electoral College becomes very, very relevant. Mm. An unpopular and possibly destructive presidential candidate wins an election because of the Electoral College. So the sitting president starts doing sneaky, underhanded stuff in order to subvert the Electoral College. Is this good for democracy? I love the episode with the woman who could challenge the bad presidential candidate and become president, but she refuses to do it because it also subverts the democratic process. So in the final episode, people look away. It looks like everyone is going to go through with the inauguration and the sitting president invokes emergency powers to completely rewrite the Constitution. And there's going to be troops everywhere. The stock market is shut down for five days, et cetera, et cetera. You know, in hindsight, listening to this now in 2021, (laughs) it feels like, of course. But at the time, it felt like, oh, 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 oh." yes. So. In any case, this fits with some of the original goal, keep the bad guy from becoming president. Mm. But it brings into question the original premise, preserve democracy and preserve the will of the people. Yeah, yeah, I heard it actually when it aired a few years ago. And well, the timing was definitely, wasn't it? And also, can this truly be happening in real life and in podcast? What? (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, the series aired in November of 2016. When presidential candidate elected via the Electoral College, but not the popular vote, actually happened. The whole thing was just too close to reality. 
if you listen to the final episode right now, it reminds you of that awful period of time in early January of 2021. Mm. Terms is a great series, particularly if you like shows like The West Wing or Designated Survivor Mm. or even In the Loop, which is a comedy. If you like political intrigue, this is a great show Mm. for you. Mm. But the cliffhanger is hard to stomach because Terms never had a second season. If we all, every single one listening now, go review it now and say how amazing it was and maybe maybe they'll do another season. Go on, go do that, folks, won't you? And for all the shows we mentioned today, and this one, if you like, we do love our feedback, don't we, Lindsay? Uh, Yes. Or you can write to us at writersadwit at gmail.com. Mom, please do. The point is, you have the premise. Remember when we talked about this? Mm -hmm. And you have the stated goal. And you can achieve the stated goal, but lose the premise. So what you're saying here, Lindsay, is this is also an example of how an ending can be unsatisfying, but still good. I guess what I mean by good is that you're satisfied on that subtextual level Mm -hmm. if the premise is satisfied. But if your text goal is met, but your subtext goal is not met, your audience is going to feel lousy. Mm. But if your premise goal is met and your stated goal is not, you feel good even though you don't quite understand why, like in Steal the Stars. (gasps) I love everything that Matt Rogers writes. Yes, he is awesome. In Steal the Stars, the goal is destroy the evil company, save the alien and alien technology, Mm. and preserve this all-encompassing romantic love between the uh, the male and female leads. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Dakota and Matt are trying to smuggle an alien and its technology away to get money and freedom so they can be together. And as smart as Dakota is as a super soldier. Oh, I bloody loved her. I wanted to be her a bit, sort of, kind of. Oh, me too. Because, But I didn't want to be her because her relationship skills are zero. We have that in common. Dakota destroys everything. She destroys her relationships. She destroys her friendships, her career. She just burns all of her bridges for love. Well, no, I don't think I'm doing that. Although my love of audio drama is strong. So she liberates the alien. When is coming, people look away. And it turns out the alien is not what you thought it was all this time. Mm. So the alien that they called Moss was a host mm. The moss growing on his body like a parasite was the actual alien intelligence. So Dakota achieves a higher level of understanding of the alien's intelligence, and she's basically painted into a corner. Mm. And is the ending freedom or is it suicide? Wow, good question. And okay, so in your opinion, is this a good ending, Lindsay? Is it satisfying? I think it's a well-crafted ending. Mm. But how satisfying it is depends on how the audience's loyalties fell throughout the entire story. Yeah, how invested. From the beginning. If you're nuts about teamwork, Mm. then it's really satisfying. So it's a horror show. Oh, you know, Lindsay, I do love a good horror. And uh, I think this was a brilliant one and you should all listen to it. And uh, there's also other groovy shows like Passenger List, which could have gone any way. And I know they've just announced mm-hmm. their next season, so which is good. We can find out more of the story. And uh, mm-hmm. oh, I did love the ending of Wolf 3592, though I was truly sad that I wouldn't have Zach Valenti going to bed with me anymore. What? what? What do you mean by Zach? Oh, no, sorry, I, I just used to, to listen to it, him, the podcast, before sleeping in, in bed. Oh, 
Oh, lovely. Mm. Oh, uh, oh, another ending that, that divides the audience's loyalty is, is from uh, the shows I truly miss from the landscape and listen again to now and then. Hadrian Gospel Hour. Ah, uh, yes, by the fabulous Rich Wentworth and Michael McQuilkin. Yeah, All along, the whole thing has been about... So the entire series is about explore the multiverse, mm-hmm. find the missing fragments of Esmeralda, Dr. Oppenheimer's wife, mm-hmm. heal the rift yeah. in the multiverse, and avoid yeah. the big bad enemy. I'm pretty sure at the beginning it may have been stated straight up that the whole thing was get Esmeralda. For those of you who don't know, Esmeralda was Oppenheimer's wife, and when the Hadron Collider mm-hmm. misfired, she was blasted into a million fragments, you know, millions of fragments, and this rift was in the universe, and now there's a multiverse, and I think the idea was get Esmeralda back together. And that means that yes. Mike gets to go Hashtag home. I love Cyrus. And yeah, I, I, do, I think you summed up beautifully there. And um, there's more spoilers coming though, folks. Look away. So at the beginning of this final episode, this bizarre ensemble is working together really well in spite of mm-hmm. their disparate skills. They end up back in touch. Well, the two male leads end up back in touch with their women folk. For example, Mike's nasty ex-fiance, no. who's turned into a villain, and the reassembled Esmeralda, who is a multifaceted mess of rage. And her performance, it's a tour de force of acting, but also a tour de force mm. of sound editing. She's Action. literally a multifaceted mm. mess of rage. Their past relationships were garbage, and it's clear that the friendships that they have now flawed, weird, etc., with Ashley, the artificial intelligence, and, you know, Higsby, the boson particle, and so on and so forth. These are the only functional Mm. relationships they have. They've learned over this time to have functional relationships. The relationships that they were, quote-unquote, supposed to have with their respective wife and fiancé aren't the relationships that oh. they need and are building and yes, they're becoming so better people. things along the way and have grown but are now different people. Is that right? I, I feel that because of doing this podcast, actually, Lindsay. Uh-huh. Aw, uh-huh. me too. Spoilers in three, so, two, now. Mike and Oppenheimer <gasps> get thrown out of an airlock. But before that, Oppenheimer gives the big bad level boss villains this speech about a wellspring of empathy that through words provides order in chaos. I loved the speech so much. I sat down and I wrote the whole thing down in my journal. Do you want to read some? I would, but I think people should go and listen to, listen to Hadron Gospel Hour instead, because a lot of it is also the way that Rich Wentworth reads it and it makes more sense in context. But it is a perfect treatise on why write absurdist comedy in difficult times. Oh, how can art be more absurd than our lives right now? Huh. That is for another episode, Sarah. <laughs> We're doing more? What? <laughs> if the will of the people is there. <gasps> oh, oh well, do let us know if you want more, won't you? Do. Because, uh, yeah, okay, so back on this. So why was this Oppenheimer speech important? Hmm? Well, their absurdism ends up saving them. Because they managed to take off into portals in the multiverse. But... Oh, I like big butts and I cannot lie. They get sucked into separate portals. Oh, no. The peril, the danger and excitement of being sucked off in portals. Sarah, that sentence you just said will not get into the podcast. (laughs) It is an excellent cliffhanger. Yes. So the premise, friendship and absurdism are magic, is preserved 
even if the stated goals are completely exploded and, and actually by the end of the episode, it's, literally. I mean, I, I got to say, I often still think about the brilliance of that Wovercoat season three ending, don't you? <gasps> oh, yes. I know. We're, we're constantly singing the praises of... I will stop singing the praises of wooden overcoats when they stop <laughs> being good. I, but they're yeah. a great example. So how's the premise preserved and how are the stated goals getting the body in the coffin in the ground on time, take away Chapman's power. How are those stated goals preserved or not preserved? So Chapman gives his power as a funeral director, like being able to just pull things out like helicopters and a yacht and a a hot air balloon. Does he stash it all? He gives this to the funds so that they can do what a funeral director should do, which is provide comfort to the bereaved, in this case, Georgie, and behave like a family that lifts mm-hmm. each other and up. I've got to say, I don't think I've cried so much and also laughed in abundance at an episode of audio fiction before. I, I think yeah. that's the past. Yeah, mm. me too. And this one preserves the premise, comfort in your most uncomfortable hour is what a, a, a funeral director yeah. should do. And meets the stated goal competing for best funeral director, but it also meets the stated goal in a way that we don't expect. Discuss. <laughs> okay, but I, I got to say, I do think the investment we have as listeners at this point in the season, season three, is it's a main reason for the impact of how amazing that is and how mm-hmm. that scene is built up too and, and performed. When you're worrying about other characters and what's happening, and then we hear the news mm-hmm. of, Spoilers, people look away, the loss of Nana. And it's just so mm-hmm. heart-wrenchingly sublime, isn't it? Yes. And patterns of setup and payoff are important. What do we mean by patterns of setup and this payoff? This is a super question. And again, I think it kind of boils down to our investment in the story, maybe. Uh, the love for or hate of the characters, our identifiable sharing of collective grief perhaps for our own family members manifests and joins with the, the grief of the character and oh, I don't know when Georgie finds out about her, her chirpy nan passing and we don't want that character to have to go through that but she does like we all do somewhere and in that moment it just celebrates connection I think and, and severs it at the same time it's, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I have another way of explaining it for you. Because I cheated and I re-listened to the (laughs) episode today. And it has a Mm. lot of flashbacks. In the course of writing that episode, what David K. Barnes created. Not a monster. You begin with the moment that Georgie meets the funds and we learn about Mm -hmm. what their relationship is like. And then later on, there's another flashback that is Georgie and her nan lost at sea together, being tossed about in the ocean and being washed ashore Mm -hmm. on the island of Piffling. At that point in the series overall, we hadn't been exposed to Nana very much. We hadn't seen a whole... We knew that Nana was adventurous Mm -hmm. and a little salty and that she was clearly the kind of rough and ready, flexible, slightly crazy (laughs) woman that Georgie is. But we hadn't gotten a whole lot of time with that character. And because of the flashbacks and all the setups of this is what Georgie's relationship with her family is like, the ending 
with the wedding and the balloon, getting through the wedding, but also having the hot air balloon funeral, the moments where there is nothing that you can say to Mm -hmm. someone else's grief. And it's not that you should say anything. It's that you should simply spend time with somebody in their grief. That's, I think, why it's so important. If If you've never listened to it, go listen to it. If you already have listened to it, there's a scene where there's a section where Madeline the mouse is describing the experience of scattering Nana's ashes at sunset from the hot air balloon. And it's just a gorgeous piece of writing. Unfortunately, in the U.S., it's illegal to randomly scatter ashes like that. But it sure would be a nice way to go. Are we making a pack now? Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be in trouble. It's there's there's you're you're right, Sarah. All of these Mm -hmm. things that you said are correct. And it's not that every good story needs to end with a twist of some kind. It's um. What was set up have to be paid off, but it doesn't have to be paid oh. off chapter and verse. And we need to be emotionally invested. No, I don't think every ending does need a twist, not at all. But I do think we need to, to have a, a reaction or a connection to those characters. Not necessarily identify with them as such, but I don't know, just want them to succeed or fail. And I was just trying to think of some examples. I think Lily and Tara in uh, the Amelia Project steal those important tapes that throw that Amelia Project team intentions into question kind of moments or the Kaiser Sose moments or the this election outcome would be crazy moments. Uh, they're out loud shouting at the listening device moments, aren't they? And I care what happens. I think that is an incredible moment. It's gasp-worthy and it leaves you perhaps even a little exhausted after listening and makes you want to crave more. So what happened next? Don't end. Please don't stop. Do you want me to tell you why I think the Tara and Lily episode was brilliant? Yes! Okay, so at one point, Lily says, we could break into your safe very easily, but we wouldn't do it because of the looter's law. And the looter's law is basically you don't steal anything for profit, you only steal things for fun because it would be difficult or challenging or interesting. And she says, we could break into your safe right under your nose. They say that midway through and they say, you know, but and the implication is, but we wouldn't do it because of the loot, the looters law. And we're not going to do it. We're not going to steal those tapes. And then at the very end, you find out they said they weren't going to steal the tapes. And they did. They said they could. And they did. And the looter's law, which was presented as such a great idea, and it was what they have in common with the interviewer, is that's what makes them, it's like that's what made us trust them, and it was Mm -hmm. betrayed. It was was all not true. Yeah. So they said, the, the writing on this episode is particularly brilliant because they set it up, and then they, it's paid off, but it's paid off. It's opposite day paid off. It's up. I knew they were lying. I knew it's sort of, I told you I was a scorpion. (laughs) Or I told you I was a fox. That whole story. And we knew from the beginning that these women were devious. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, there's this gorgeous sound collage of all of the bits of tape from over ever from ever since the beginning yeah, all of the all bits the of tape all of the stories mm. all of the characters and all of the bits of tape and they do say 
to the interviewer, are you recording this? Or tell me that you're not recording this, or I hope that you're not recording this. And he says, well, of course I'm recording this. We record everything for archival purposes. So he didn't Uh lie to them and they trusted him. Uh And at the very end, there's that, those snippets of please, those snippets of the original answer phone calls, not not the Amelia outgoing message, but their message, the whole, please call me back, please call me back, please call me back. And we hear that these people actually were genuinely desperate to disappear. Mm-hmm. They trusted him. They trusted the interviewer and Amelia by extension with their stories. And that trust has now been betrayed. Yeah. And the interviewer is just like us, the podcast listener. We're exper- We're collecting his stories the same way that he collects them. Isn't that true? Yeah, but unfortunately, everything has to have an ending, though, doesn't it? Mm, I wish Lost hadn't ended like it did, though. What would you have done? <laughs> to be honest, I'm not entirely sure, but definitely not a Bobby Ewing or a bouncer moment. <laughs> Who's bouncer? <laughs> it's, a, it's a dog in Neighbours. It's an Australian soap. Oh. Uh, we were obsessed in the 80s. Uh, I'd been having a dream for like... 50 episodes of this soap so they brought characters back who died or something and I can't remember the details because it was the 80s uh, mm-hmm. and then I'm like what's the name waking up and finding Bobby Ewing in the shower in Dallas it was all a dream mm-hmm. that's annoying there's a cliffhanger and audience are like WTF yes <laughs> yes it's annoying but obviously it's memorable because it was so annoying yeah oh, I could put that on my business card <gasps> But um, what, what about you, Lindsay? What what kind of um, endings satisfy you? Okay, so here's what I think makes a satisfying ending. If the premise is intact, but the stated goal is different from the original expectations, that could be a satisfying ending. Mm. Case in point, wooden overcoats, like we said. Yeah. Hey, drunk gospel hour. Uh, both of them, the stated premise is... It, it, in wooden overcoats, it's who's going to provide comfort in your darkest hour mm-hmm. and who's going to be the best friend, even if, you know, nobody said anything about a hot air balloon at the beginning. Uh-huh. In Hey Drunk Gospel Hour, it's, you know, I'm going to try to make the world a better place, even if I am flawed to begin with. And even if the situation is flawed to begin with, I can. it is still worth it to do the work yeah. in my weird and flawed way. Mm-hmm. And an unsatisfying but still good ending is when the stated goal is achieved, but the premise is lost. In the case of Terms, that made an amazing season. One cliffhanger and set up the prospect of a new season. It was it was really good. Mm. I could see why Lindsey Graham chose not to continue writing it. Just bearing in mind what was going on in the world yes. at the time that that came out. Mm. And I also think that... Uh, I also think that he must have had a very hard time writing and promoting a political thriller with a name like Lindsey Graham, especially since Lindsey Graham, the writer, and I are both Lindsey with an A, which means that we're both on Team Lindsey, and Senator Lindsey Graham is a Lindsey with an E, and that means that he should be thrown out of the airlock. Breathe, Lindsey, with an A, breathe. Have you finished? Nope. Oh. I think a garbage ending mm-hmm. is when you get about three quarters of the way through and you say, oh, I've got to end this somehow. And you just sort of tack on rocks fall, everybody dies or tragic. Bobby Ewing's in the shower. Exactly. <laughs> Very tragic. 
Oh, Sarah, it's terrible. It's disappointing. Uh, mm. Just don't do that. You'll piss off the audience and everybody's going to hate you. Oh, no. It's bad love, not hate. But we're protection. So can you um, can you please su- summarise, Lindsay, your thoughts on this? Uh, okay. Imagine a blackboard. Oh, okay. And imagine that I write up here premise yes. and goal. Nice writing. Premise, goal. Okay. Okay. So if you're ending, if the premise is intact... Yes. And your goal is intact. Yes. It's satisfying, but it's boring. (laughs) Just imagine if Wooden Overcoats had just ended with, well, Chapman, I know that Nana originally had her, you know, she had a funeral bond with you, but Georgie is going to do her funeral with fun funerals because we're weird and we're the better funeral company. And he said, oh, oh, Roger, fun. You've you've destroyed me. I will no longer stay on Piffling Vale and I will go away. It would be kind of sitting here going, what? That's quite funny. So yeah, if, yeah, the, if okay. the premise was satisfied and the goal was satisfied, it would be satisfying, but you'd also be sitting here going, oh, why? Oh, yeah. If the, you didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. If the premise is satisfied, yes, tick. but the goal is not, <gasps> it's surprising and uncomfortable but it's still good. Mm-hmm. Like in the case of Romeo and Juliet, they're totally that. in love. Love conquers all. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But they kill themselves. <laughs> I mean, their goal was we're going to run away and get married and be happily ever after. Yes, come Well, on. no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and steal the stars. The premise, screw the, screw the giant corporation, save the alien, mm-hmm. is preserved. But the end goal, uh-uh. two star-crossed lovers run away together, is lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Drunk Gospel Hour, same deal. You have the premise, friendship and absurdism are magic, yeah. and let's explore the world in crazy ways, yeah. is preserved, even though the stated goal, heal the rift in the universe, is completely lost. Mm-hmm. The next way that you can deal with this is if your premise is lost, yeah. but your goal is met. You have a frustrated audience, but it's good if you can set up a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. like in the case of terms. Yeah. In in that one, the stated premise was preserve democracy, yeah. preserve the will of the people. And he said, in order to preserve democracy and in order to preserve the will of the people, I'm declaring martial law and we're going to throw out the constitution and rewrite it from scratch, Mm -hmm. which means that then your next season is going to be about how do you rewrite a nation's constitution from scratch Mm. while you're also under martial law. Democracy is lost. We're going to try to reinvent the wheel. Okay. So that's a hard place to land a show, but it's also a good setup for something new. Okay. Well, what if the premise and the goal are both not met. If you don't meet the premise and you don't meet the goal, you need to go sit in the corner and think about your crime. I will turn you into mice and feed you to my cats. Okay. So where does the black tapes fit in? We're not going to talk about the black tapes right now. Okay. I'm a big fan of the um, the Tales of the Unexpected style twisted ending, I've got to say. You would be. <laughs> and I'd also like Can you give me an example of what you mean by that? Oh, just when the, 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 there's an unexpected ending. Oh. Twisted ending, like your Amelia project. I don't think that was an un- unexpected ending. I think they, they set it up from the beginning and said, okay. Oh, but no, everything is always set up from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's just that it was woven into, it was woven in very delicately 
so that if you went back, you could yeah. see it coming. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that's the Tales of the Unexpected, Roald Dahls and all sorts of those writers. They, oh. Obviously, there's signposting, yes, but it's still a shock when it happens. So, okay, I see exactly what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Okay, I see. I see what you mean. That's really that's some well, that's some A game craft. That's some yeah. A level craft there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think and and in those kind of shows, there are so many wonderful characters on there. And I'd like to play more characters who seem to be one thing but turn out to be another. Oh yeah, so fun, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, the, there's this uh, Michelin Web sketch actually there's uh the lads play someone in uniform there's a war on and one of them suddenly questions do you think we're the baddies with these skulls on our caps and so on and i love that that's an- oh yeah yeah you have a shift in perspective yes and i mean you kind of want to uplift the goodies to win and the baddies to lose a lot of the time not always um like i, I just watched the invisible man film today and the ending mm-hmm. was satisfying I guess, mm-hmm. um, it's pandering a little to what we kind of might have wanted as a payoff. But but I also, spoilers, Sarah's brain thinking, I also wanted her cop friend to do something with an invisible suit too, or for her to be still thought of as mad. And I've got to say, my favourite endings are often dark. They're unexpected. For example, Brazil. Do tell. Do you know Brazil by Terry Gilliam? It's my mm-hmm. favourite film in the whole world. And I, I love it. the whole battle and tuttle administrative mistake thing and the characters that just, I don't know, they're so well drawn or grotesque and oh, there's the big, beautiful sets shot amazingly from Gilliam's perspectives and, and the humour versus the dark and then, and then Michael Palin as a baddie is just about the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Ever? It's just about. Well, you know, you got a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because the, the ending is, is where, spoilers, Jonathan Price is a lead. He imagines being rescued by Robert De Niro and is, is whisked away. And then and that moment is horribly ripped away. And we, we wonder, has his mind been obliterated by the torturous, sexy Mr. Palin <laughs> or not? I, I just love that dark Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But that's a film. Yes. What about audio drama? Subjective as art is, what do you feel makes a really, really good ending? Oh, leaving them wanting more, Lindsay. Goodbye. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We haven't finished. Or have we, Lindsay? No. Wait, there's so much more I want to talk about. Well, you know, we can in the next season of Adwit Podcast, coming when we have time. Yes. And, and for some reason, I just wanted to publicly thank Philip Thorne, Neustenbrager, Ellen Bergen and Julia C. Thorne of the Amelia Project. You do? That's odd. Isn't it? Well, happy writing. Bye-bye. Happy writing! Avanti! You lucky folks have been listening to the Audio Drama Writer's Independent Toolkit, hosted by Sarah Golding and Lindsay harris Friel. Audio engineering, sound design and music, gorgeous music, by Vincent Friel. Huzzahs! If you enjoyed what you heard, oh please do write us a review on Podchaser or on Apple Podcasts, or any podcatcher, quite frankly. We'd love to hear what you think. Or you can tweet about us if you like. Yes, our Twitter handle is at AdWitPodcast, and please... 
please do keep in touch. We'd love to know how you're getting on with all the exercises and more. Or if you just want to say hello, do that too. You can write to us at writersadwit at gmail.com. And for more information about what we're doing and what we're up to and how, visit our website at adwit.org. Thank you very much for listening, people. I hope you have a good day. Take care. Bye. Adwit is created and recorded on the unceded land of the Lenny Lenape Nation. To learn more about the Lenape, their history, and their culture, please visit their website at lenapenation.org. Sixty six thirty productions. Woo, that voice changer mic is pretty impressive, huh, Einstein? You captured Sarah's murmuring, wandering, sarcastic lilts beautifully there. Ah, oh, yeah. Yes, she talks funny, eh? Hang on, let me turn this stupid thing off. Oh, oh that's better. Groovy. <laughs> I thought your Philly accent was on point too, thanks to the accent device you stole from Sarah last time she recorded with you. Yeah, I knew she couldn't do all those accents with just her brain and mouth. <laughs> groovy. Uh, you can stop saying groovy now. She says that too much. Groovy. Oh, it's catching. Pip, do you think anyone will ever guess we've been impersonating them on Adwit all this time and slowly doing all of the voices for all of the audio drama related podcasts made since lockdown began just to keep us occupied? I doubt it. I doubt it very much. Do you want to uh, manic laugh or shall I? Let's do it together and hope that people continue to listen to our season three twists and turns of the Amelia Project. Available in all podcatchers now. And what a twisted season three finale ending we've got. Haven't we just? Well, who do you think we should be next? Um, can I be the interviewer and you be Alvina? Great idea. Hang on, let me uh, just switch this on. Let's. Ha 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 ha!